Bob Account Podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today with uh, John Shannon. Robert. Hockey on hockey uh, today from uh, two totally different perspectives. Yeah. Um, Mark Curtin will join us, a, um, a former teammate, longtime friend of Borea Salming, and we'll talk about. Yeah. Bo- we'll both- talk about ALS and we'll talk about uh, Salming's appearance in Toronto last week. Both afflicted with ALS, Bob. It's really a tragic story when you consider it. it. But Mark has been a huge advocate and uh, has uh, been somebody that Borea has uh, learned to rely on uh, since we found out about uh, Borea's affliction of ALS uh, in in the middle of summer. So Mark's a good man. And after that, a a gentleman I have not talked to before on this program, uh, Tom Gallardi, the owner of the Dallas Stars, a Vancouverite. Will Just a good us. no, you know, a good BC boy. There's more and more good BC boys on this well, show. Well, we know there's we know there's a couple. Yes, sir. We don't think you're one of them, but uh, we what? think there are a couple out there. Come on. Uh we'll get to that in a moment. Stick around. This is the Bob McCowan podcast. Hi, this is Bob McCowan for betrivers.com. Hey, if you're looking for a sports book or casino app, you should check out the Bet Rivers Sports and Casino app today. Play all of your favorite casino games for real money anywhere and anytime. Plus, get in the action with each sports game with hundreds of sports betting options. And get ready to feel like a VIP because you'll earn both loyalty level points and bonus store points on every real money wager you make. You must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, contact Connex Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 or speak to an advisor free of charge. BetRivers.com. Bob McGowan and uh, John Shannon back with you. We watched with great interest last week uh, Borea Salming in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and we are aware that... um, Mr. Salming is going through a very, very difficult time uh, at this point. Joining us to talk a bit about it is uh, our friend Mark Curtin. Um, you a good friend of Borea's? Yeah, a lot more now over the last two months. Right. But, you know, Bob Cam, when, you, when you're a teammate with somebody, it doesn't matter whether you played one game or 500 games with that teammate. You're locked forever. Yeah. Hey, so Mark, um, we were all shocked when uh, we got the news about Borea, as we were when we heard about you. Um, tell us, tell us your conversations with Borea when you found out this summer. Yeah, what happened was uh, Daryl called me in August and told me about Borea, and he'd di- been diagnosed uh, July the twenty fifth, I believe it was, and uh, we both decided it would be a good idea to start Zoom calls with the family. So every two or three days, we would do a Zoom call with uh, Borea's daughter, Teresa, and Pia, his wife. And I just, you know, informed them on everything from meds to the different stages, how to deal with it, and on and on and on. So we probably had eight or 10 Zooms and uh, then we sort of uh, launched into uh, he wasn't going to come to the Hall of Fame weekend. Right. 
And I said to him, you know, you're going to, you know, I just don't want you to regret that. So it, I had to pull out my salesmanship <laughs> skills and I talked them into coming. And uh, it was an absolutely impactful, loving weekend. Was he symptomatic when you first talked to the family? You know, it's funny when I, when I first talked to him, first word that came out was Mark, you're amazing. So he was talking, but not, not well, Bobcat. He wasn't talking well. It was hard to understand him, uh, even for his wife. Um, and as far as walking and his arms go, he was still pretty strong. But once I realized that he had what's called bulbar, which is in his front, I, it's a very, very aggressive ALS. So I knew it would be aggressive, but I'd never seen one that aggressive. Mm -hmm. It really started to take him. You could see it week by week by week. I, I'm fascinated with you convincing him to come to the Hall of Fame, Mark, because uh... – I wonder if you told him the stories about uh, your invite from Jimmy Rutherford and the Canucks to go to Vancouver and saying you just have to do things like this, correct? Exactly what I said, or exactly. And I told him everything went well. And I said, you know, you got to do it now while you're able to do it. And, and on and on. And, you know, it didn't take long. Probably the next day, I got an email that said he, he was planning on coming. Now, now, let's not forget, he went to Montreal and back prior to that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, and he realized he could fly. Right. So and, it's, uh, it's, you know, I'm just curious. So they come to Toronto. You obviously have some time with them. It, it's difficult for us from distance and on television to find out what his spirits are. How would you define his spirits? Well, we went to the game Saturday night. And uh, we stayed, we, we watched the first period down the wheelchair section. And then we went up to Shani's box where the family was. And uh, Daryl and his wife and Tiger and his wife were in there. And uh, there was a lot of people because he had a lot of family with him, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, it was very powerful, guys. Very powerful. Um, what state was he in? Well, when I walked in, he came right over to me and gave me a hug. And uh, and he went back to his seat. And I went over to him. And, you know, he couldn't talk. But I could see when he was with it and when he wasn't. Because he's got dementia, you guys. Like, he's got it. He goes in and out with dementia as well. Um which is predominant with uh, ball bar as well. It's in the frontal lobe and it causes that. But you know what? He would look at me and he would grab my hand and he, uh, he would smile in a way that I knew he was with it. And then a few minutes later, he'd be lost again. Mm. And it was on and off like that all night. But we were there for a good hour and a half of that room and uh i'll send you a video that i just received about an hour ago from uh luba daryl's wife really tells the tale yeah 
So this is both a physical and a mental problem that he's going through. That's correct. And uh, again, he didn't go to the Hall of Fame inductee night because he had fallen the night before. Mm. And uh, Daryl showed me a picture yesterday when he was here. And and we we all looked at it and his own his nose was carved up, his chin looked like he was playing again. We were kind of giggling about it. it honestly, you guys wouldn't believe, well, I'll send you I'll send you a photo of that, but that's in confidence. Yeah, no but, problem. Well, I will send you the video because it's hard for me to talk about it without getting emotional. I bet. The, the magic, you know, I, I have a that team you played on, Mark, the team that Borey was on, the team that Daryl and Lanny and Tiger were part of. You know, that was the first team I was around in the in the mid to late seventies around Maple Leaf Gardens. Yeah. What 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 is remarkable to me and and is how close you guys still are. You know, because that that was a tumultuous time in Toronto with sports, and Harold was a jerk, uh, yeah. and and he treated Roger badly. Uh, but you guys have stuck together, and that's the that's the other message that I see through this whole weekend is the love that you have for each other. Yeah, I know it is amazing, and you're absolutely correct. And uh, a lot of the alumni were asked to put videos together for Boria, which we've been doing the last week, and then we'll send them all out to them. But uh, it's funny, I when I was on a Zoom with Boria, going back a bit. I was telling him that I remember when he when he pulled me aside after practice and he and he taught me the can opener move. <laughs> so so what he said was you take the face off, you win it into the corner, into your cor- left corner, and the big guy is going to get around you, the big center. And what you do is you stick your stick under his arms and you give him a little twist to the right and you go into the left to get the puck. And we did practiced it and practiced it. So I put it on the video and I said, King, I said, that can opener that you taught me back in 1979, I said, I got a 750 professional hockey game career as a checker <laughs> from that move. <laughs> and you know what? He started laughing. So, it, you know, it, it was moments like that. But you're absolutely right. That was a very... Every once in a while, you play on a team that's tight like that. And uh, you could really see it. There, were, there was a lot of tears in that room. Um, when you see the photos, guys, you will see, just look at everybody's eyes. Yeah. Tells the tale. Right? Well, seeing Daryl on Friday night, right? Seeing Daryl on the ice Friday night. Oh, yeah. With, with Boria between he and Matt's. That was something, man. Oh, yeah. And then the hard part for me, I, I'm in, in the room with my wife, Lisa, and uh, I'm watching all this stuff going on. And out of the corner of my eye, I'm watching the game. And there's one of my best buddies coaching Vancouver. <laughs> and I and he's up to nothing. And I'm going, oh, now he's down 3-2. And, and I just, you know, it was hard to even watch. So I'm glad I was up there and didn't have to watch that game. Uh, Some well, sur- friend, friends of ours too. That's a that's a I good point, a man. Point. That's a good point, boy. Some uh, significant percentage of our audience um, 
will not have seen Borja Salming play or will not have seen a lot of him play. Tell us about him from your perspective as a player. How good was he? He was like uh, he was like an octopus, Bobcat. He, you, he could strip you from that puck. He could strip that puck from you in a second. And to try and get around him, he had the long reach. And he'd be blocking shots. He was a very, very hard guy to play against, just for that main reason. And if you, if you thought you were going to go down the ice and not get hit by him, you were wrong there too. He'd stand you up at the blue line in a heartbeat. And then as far as, as, as playing with him, I was playing against him, but playing with him, he controlled the game before any player that I know controlled the game. Like, and that, what I mean by that is he'll have the puck in his own end, and rather than rushing up with it right away, he'll just wait and wait till a line change happens or wait till his players are in position. And he had that ability and knack to control the game that way. That's what I remember about King. And, and the, the frustration of what he's going through now uh, contradicts the physical fitness he always had as an athlete. Was he the greatest? I mean, to me, he was the greatest fit hockey player I ever saw in a, in a dressing room. Yeah, that's that's a real tough one. You know, it's uh, you know, it, it's it's like the uh, marathon runner that's in phenomenal shape. And he dies of a heart attack, and we're kind of looking at each other, going, "How did that happen?" Yeah. Well, it's the same kind of idea, uh, you know. And I, I, it's the same thing with me. Like I, I like to think I was in real good shape too, and this happened. So, but but you're right. He was. Uh, he was a carved, carved out model, wasn't he? <laughs> he was, he was. But uh, it was. So, uh, so anyway. it was, the last time we had you on, we were, uh, we were talking about what's next. How do we make things better? How do we inform people? I must say, Mark, um, since you have done such a marvelous job yourself of telling people, of connecting with people about this, this uh, disease what's what's going on what how can what can we do with the government what can we do with the medical profession what can we do with the scientists well you know what we've uh we are, we have been spending a lot of time on als advocacy for sure and we're starting to make some serious headway um and we're getting closer and closer to a uh a major fundraiser with, uh, with uh, um, the seven Canadian teams is what we're working towards. And if this works, which I think it will, it will create two or three million a year into a super fund. And if we can bring all the ALS groups together as one voice, then we can attack the government, make some changes. But right now, the ALS groups are all splintered and they need to be come together as one voice. And then we need an influx of funding because it's an underdog illness that's weak in funding. And until we have that strength, we're not going to get anywhere. But there has been in the last month, 
we have made some headway with some teams and we'll be ready to announce something in about two or three weeks and it's going to be powerful. I apologize for not knowing this, but at this stage and where you are right now, uh, obviously funding is the key, but are you looking to, is your principal effort to find a cure for this disease or is it to provide those who unfortunately have it with the, I, I, the means to ad adapt? I think if we create this super fund, it will have a variety of pillars. It'll have a pillar for research. It'll have a pillar uh, for, for caregivers and equipment that, that's needed by people that can't afford it. Uh, and uh, it'll have a pillar to, uh, um, you know, for, for research and fundraising, et cetera. Mm -hmm. There'll be about five pillars on this, uh, this uh, super fund. Um, and uh, I think that once, we, if we can get this in place, I think then that the government will realize that, that we've got a pretty strong voice and uh, they'll start to get involved because we still have a, a serious problem with the length of time uh, for Health Canada to approve a drug. Like two years is ridiculous when the lifelines are three to five years. And, uh, and there's other issues too, such as the most recent uh, drug that was approved called Albrioza. Um, when you really break it down, you realize that only 7% of the people that have ALS will qualify for that new drug. And, and the reason why is because Cadeth um, has reported that you have to be under 18 months since your first symptom. Well, if it takes a year and a half, two years to diagnose this illness from your first symptom, how on earth is anybody going to qualify for this drug? Right. So right now, honest to God, it's 7% are going to qualify for this drug. That's shocking. And we have made a lot of noise about that, my group, ALS Action Canada. But we need all the ALS alliances in every province and ALS Canada and us to amalgamate all together as one voice and, and, and go to Canada and say, this is not right. And, and, and Bob, what they're doing is they're taking data and saying, well, it maybe only helps 30% this drug. Well, guess what? 30% is 30%, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So these are the struggles that we run into. And, uh, and then of course the, uh, the funding is a whole separate thing, but uh, I think you can see the direction that we're headed with this or where I'd like to see it go. And uh, honestly, with this announcement in a couple of weeks, you guys, and I'll reach out to you guys on this when we're going to announce it, but it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be amazing. Curious, what's the the difference between um, access to drugs and funding? Well, let's between Canada and the United States, and now Sweden. What what will what will Boria be able to get in Sweden 
that you can't get or that uh, you couldn't get in the United States? Is there a difference? Do you know what? Believe it or not, I thought Sweden would be ahead of us as far as, as uh, approved drugs and stuff. And they're actually behind us. Like the second drug that I'm on called Radicava, it's not even approved in, uh, in Sweden. And I'm on my fourth year of taking it. Mm. Um, but each, each uh, country is different, uh, John, as far as approvals go and how you get the drugs and what insurances cover it. Mm-hmm. Does the province cover it? Does the state cover it? And on and on. And then all the criteria as to whether or not you qualify for it. And guys, these drugs are not home runs by any means. The three drugs that are accessible in Canada, uh, the slow progression, that's all they do, the slow progression. There is no home run here. Right. But, but there is 190 trials going on around the world. So you just got to hope that we hit a home run with one of those. But one of the pillars of our fund would be to uh, get some more trials into Canada. For sure. Forgive me, Mark, but it sounds to me like part of the problem here, maybe the majority of the problem, is the perhaps inability of all the different organizations um, involved with ALS, national, provincial, whatever, to get together. You are bang on. You're bang on, and that's exactly what... I'm going to be spending three hours this afternoon with the board of directors of my group discussing. And we think we have a fantastic plan and the timing is perfect because of this uh, fundraising uh, plan that we're, we're trying to work with the Canadian hockey teams. And if it all comes together, like we think it will, we'll be off to the races on that, but that's exactly right. That's what we're after. You know, both in Canada and worldwide, I suppose, it sounds well, like. Well, the U.S. U.S. has what's called IMALS, which is massive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a patient-led group as well. But but it's, it's uh, knocked on the government door and done well. But the government in uh, Canada has not done well for rare disease. Like $2 million a year or whatever it is, is, is it's just not enough. Yeah. But, but I'll tell you, this past weekend, uh, with Borea and, and all the ALS chatter, has been a real huge weekend from an ALS advocacy standpoint. It really has. And, oh, I appreciate uh, that. Oh, it really has. And I also read the other day that, uh, um, what's the goalie for the Rangers, Hank, that just retired? Henry Lundquist. He, yeah, he yeah. lost a friend to ALS. And him and Patty LaFontaine lost a friend. And Bettman, they were talking about ALS as well, I heard in an interview. Mm-hmm. So the National Hockey League is starting to put their arms around this illness. And, you know, that's, that's from us making noise. Well, it, between, you know, what you've gone through and what Bory is going through, let's not forget Chris Snow in Calgary. Absolutely. Uh, Chris Snow is a uh, boy. He's a warrior too. Uh, it is oh, yeah. something Chris, I, I, Chris was at work on Saturday night, Mark. I know you're still working selling real estate, but Chris Snow was at the saddle dome watching the game. That to me guys, is magical guys. And he can't talk. Right. 
you know, at least I can still talk. Well, that, that, that's a, that's an advantage sometimes. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you imagine though being trapped, trapped in your body and, and no. not being able to communicate? I mean, I run a support group every other Wednesday for a whole bunch of ALS patients. I run a Zoom and we talked about traveling with ALS tips and we talk about uh, equipment. That's been the last conversation. You wouldn't believe all the little things. Like if you, if you were a bird on my shoulder from beginning to end of the day, at the end of the day, you'd be shaking your head saying, holy smokes. But you, you get to the point where you can't do much of anything. Yeah. Like when I get an itch or I got a nose hair that's bugging me, you can't scratch it. I mean, I mean, I, I have to be mentally tough to say that itch is going to go away if it's in my ear or wherever. I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's crazy. Well, but, you know, you just plug your way through it. Right. And create awareness and, and, create awareness. and create awareness. So that's why yeah. we, uh, that's why we wanted you on to talk about, ALS and to talk about Borea and what you did and your relationship. And uh, yeah. you're a good, you're a good friend, man. Well, guys, I'm telling you, I would, you know, there was so much love in that room. Hey, as, when we got home, Lisa says to me, if we don't get COVID from that room. We'll never get it. <laughs> because we, nobody had masks and, you know, granted I've got five shots, Yeah, but I didn't have a mask on because you can't talk with those things on and my voice is weak enough anyways. But I mean, I, you know, it, we just, it was such a great, great evening. And, uh, and then of course uh, the Maple Leaf alumni would be wandering in and out and Larry Tannenbaum was there and, and Shanahan came in and out. Uh, it, it was just a powerful evening. I had well, Mark my, you you know that uh, that we love you and uh, we thank you very much for taking some time for us today. We uh, we hope you have uh, continued uh, better health and um, will uh, keep us advised as to the progress that you're making. Please. Yes, I will. And as soon as we uh, um, we we haven't really announced anything yet because we uh, we want to get a majority of the of the teams on on side. And once we do, we're coming out with this and. Uh, and it's going to be a huge uh, jump for ALS. We look forward to it. Thanks, All pal. Right, we'll talk Enjoy again. It. Have a great day. Bye -bye. That's Mark Curtin. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. And now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. These days, more athletes are speaking out about the importance of mental health. But you don't have to be in the pros to take care of your mental well-being and being focused and in the zone. Therapy is the best way to stay in peak mental shape. We've all seen firsthand the benefits of unloading the stress, of working through the emotional healing and dealing with anxiety and depression. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, accessible, and online. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey, and you can switch therapists at any time. When you're ready to feel at the top of your game, therapy can get you there. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bobcast today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com slash Bobcast. McCowan and Shannon back uh, with you. Our uh, thanks to Mark Curtin for joining us. Uh, we are now with the owner of the Dallas Stars. Tom Gallardi is with us from, are you in Vancouver? I am. I don't think so. You are? I'm in Vancouver. I see a palm tree behind you. Uh, that's not, that's no palm tree. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, congratulations. You know what tomorrow is? Tomorrow's 11 years since you bought the Dallas Stars. Are you aware oh, of that? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. 11 years. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. November 18th, is it? Yeah. November 18th, 2011. In November 11th, 2011, was the first time I ever played Augusta National. Was it really? Yeah. Like, just what a fluke, right? Yeah. Playing the course, yeah. And, well, I've uh, been there, but I haven't played it. How, how, do you, how is it? Well, it's incredible. You know, it's really a really a privilege. I mean, you've been there, seeing how hilly it is. You know, to play it is uh, is amazing. You know, it's just the walk down the, you know, I've, wa- I've walked it too. I mean, I was at, I've been to the Masters before, but. To be inside the ropes and walk down the center of the fairway and hit tee shots and putt is, yeah. It's... Hold, hold on, hold on. You hit the ball to the middle of the fairway? <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Not always. Not always. But, you know, I'll tell you one thing. Um, whenever you watch the Masters and you wonder, when you see these guys four-putting, and you go, wow, those guys are awful. How could you ever four-putt? Trust me, you can four-putt. It is like... <laughs> It's like a, it's like taking a parking lot and turning it to five degrees and then have have fun, you know. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, it's amazing. Well, before well, we start talking a bit more golf, because we're going to talk a little golf, what have you learned in eleven years of owning a hockey team? Well, not much, you know. Uh, I, I would say, what have I learned? You know, uh, you know, don't get too high, don't get too low. Um, uh, I mean, I always knew you don't make decisions when you're emotional. Um, you know, this this is a game that really tests you. I think that, you know, as as you know, I would say the majority are all owners are kind of used to winning, you know, in their careers or whatever it is that they do. And so, you know, to, and, and you know, you do a lot of losing in this league. It's it's a hard thing to win because at the end of the day, there's only one guy that gets to win, and and uh, you know, there's maybe only at the end of a season four or five six teams that are really happy with their year, and the rest of you feel like a bunch of losers. So. It's um, it's hard to to keep uh, to keep uh, an even keel because, as I say, we're you know we expect to win, and uh, and and that just isn't possible at uh, at the NHL. Well, this the Dallas Stars were not your first entry into trying to be an NHL owner. You looked at the Vancouver Canucks, and uh, then the Atlanta Thrashers, if I'm not mistaken, too. Yeah, that's that's true. And was there? Was there any reason why did Dallas just come up because it was available? Is that why you expressed interest in it? Because I think your mother-in-law's from Texas, is she not? My my mother actually, my mother's. Oh. A, so I had family there, but it was really a fluke. Um, you know, I think during the during the process of Vancouver and then later on uh, Atlanta, which 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 would have relied on a relocation. Right. Um, I got to know Gary and so built a relationship with Gary. And so, you know, at one point in time, he said, look, sit tight. Cause there was another team that was on, you know, coming on the market. 
And I remember calling him and saying, you know, should I be looking at this team? And he said, no, uh, no, no, just sit tight. There's, there's something else brewing, which I think might be a really good fit for you. And that ended up being Dallas. So um, that's just kind of how it happened. So it's, you know, it's relationships matter, I think. What makes it such a good fit, Tom? Well, I had a lot of comfort in, in, in that market, you know, and, and uh, having family there, I've spent, uh, you know, grandparents there. So as a kid, I used to spend, used to go there a couple times a year and spend, uh, and spend time. So, you know, I knew the Dallas area. Um, and so, and then, but, but why it's been so good is it's just such a beautiful, you know, explosive city economically. So it's allowed us to, to set roots in that market, get to know the market. And then now we've, moved you know a big bunch of our business down there so you know we're building hotels we're doing development things that we you know our core business is about so um it allowed us to get into the u.s you know we sat around before that and said how are we going to get to the u.s where do we start how do we do it and so the team came available in really one of the most vibrant markets in the world quite honestly and uh in texas so we're very active in dallas and, and you know dfw we're active but very active in austin and uh, so it's been a fantastic fit. And, uh, you know, the, if you look at you look at any sports league and, and NHL is, is is true. It's not very often the big, strong markets ever come for sale. Right. So I feel very fortunate that uh, I was in the right place at the right time and ended up with a great market. Well, you've also got a couple of other hockey teams that you have a piece of. You got the Kamloops team, uh, the junior right. team, and then you've got your your. Uh, your number one farm team in Texas that you've, you've got yeah. a team for, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's just really a, a neat story. And, you know, Austin's a, a really great hockey market. We team does very well, draws very well, financially successful. And that's not, not always easy in the HL, of course. So feel very fortunate and, you know, it's close. We can get players up and down the same day. So it uh, really fits the new model of the league. And so I wish we had more teams in the geographic area. We used to, but, we're kind of alone now. So that, uh, that would be the only challenge with, uh, with that. Actually, I was, I was going to bring that up. That, that is one of the anomalies of the NHL. I don't think people really understand how isolated you are from the other teams in the NHL. I mean, if you're in Vancouver, it's even better now with Seattle there, but Calgary and Edmonton are an hour away. Uh, St. Louis, St. Louis is your closest team. And, and that's not a short flight anymore. Uh, that, it's a tough it, it's a tough thing that central division is it, it's it's north south but it's a little wacky for travel isn't it yeah i think we're usually in the top three or four teams in mild log so um you know it is what it is I, I would say that when i when i first came in the league 11 years ago it was a way worse situation because we were in the pacific division and so we were playing you know a huge chunk of our games in the western you know, pacific time zone and so it, that's hard on you to play that often uh, in that division. And it's certainly awful for your fans because, you know, the puck's dropping at nine o'clock in Dallas. It's really hard to build ratings when you're playing that late, you know, that often. How do you compete with the Dallas Cowboys or do you? Well, no, no, they don't leave a lot of oxygen, uh, you know, John in, in, in the building when, when they play and when they're good, you know, when they're good, they get the first six, seven pages of the sports section and the, you know, the Rangers Mavericks and us kind of, uh, try to find what's left but you know the beauty is that um, that well they haven't been good for very often <laughs> over the last several years yeah but um, uh, it's a huge market you know and so I would say in 
you know, I mean, I, I, you know, having lived in Vancouver and watching, you know, the Grizzlies and the Canucks fight for a piece, it felt at that time the market was too small for the two teams. You know, that's certainly not the case in, in Dallas. I mean, we're a market of seven and a half million people with, with all kinds of disposable income and corporate sponsorship is, you know, it's crazy. I mean, you know, I, we, we lead the league and, and I mean, I'm sorry, we're among the leaders in some of those revenue streams just because of the, the size of the market. And that's after having to battle, you know, the Mavericks, Rangers uh, and the Cowboys. So, it, it, you know, luckily it's a big enough market. Now you share your building with the Mavericks and that's uh, Mark Cuban. Do you speak much to him? Yeah. You know, uh, we have our management teams that, uh, that meet regularly and, and uh, you know, everything's really well planned out with the building. So I do speak with Mark. I wouldn't say it's regular, um, but there's, there's points and times where we have to make a big decision. And so we'll, uh, you know, we'll meet and discuss what we got to do. So it's a friendly relationship and uh, it's a, you know, hugely successful building. So, we don't often get in a position where, uh, you know, we, we have contentious things to do. So it's been a, it's been a, a positive uh, experience. And I think our building second or third, you know, busiest in, uh, in North America. So it's, it's, uh, you know, wildly successful. Actually, you talk about growth from the time that building was put up to what ha- has happened now, that part of Dallas has just, it's been spectacular, hasn't it? And so yeah. much has, so much has had to do with American Airlines Center. Well, yeah, it was, and that was the plan, you know, it was sort of uh, an old uh, part of downtown that got, if you look at the pictures before the building went in, it was just, I don't know how many hundred acres of just empty land with an interstate kind of running through it. And so it was the plan and it's coming to fruition now. I mean, there, you know, you're now seeing buildings that aren't even that old that are two and three stories being knocked down for high rises. So, you know, the density game is alive and well, and there's skyscrapers all around our building and, you know, more to come around. I've been able to acquire quite a bit of land around the arena myself. And so we've got big plans for uh, some very tall buildings. So yeah, it's a, it's an amazing market and, and just getting better. Now your hockey team, what's uh, what has gone so well for this team this year? It's been an amazing start. Yeah. I, I you know, I think, I think uh, Jim Nell and the staff had a good summer. You know, we, we came out of, last year and and our offensive analytics were, were nowhere near where they needed to be to be a contending team so we had to make some changes with maybe a little bit of personnel uh felt that we needed to get a little tougher and uh and then we needed we needed to change our system and so you know pete DeBoer was the right guy we interviewed you know several uh several folks and and pete was the guy that we thought had a, you know the great a great vision and a, and a great you know, program that would really fit our team. And so, you know, all of a sudden now we're scoring three, four, five goals. We used to struggle to score two. And so, uh, and so I think, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're now seeing the talent that we had that was tough to see. We were so defensive pre- previously that uh, the system allows, uh, allows our forwards to, um, to, uh, you know, be more creative and there's a lot of skill there, obviously. And so it doesn't hurt to have, maybe the best line in hockey with, uh, with uh, paths and, and uh, Robo and, and, and Rupe. Um, but we've now got three lines that can score and it's been a long time in Dallas since we, we've had that. So uh, feel good about that. And I think uh, of late, you know, we're giving up a lot of chances. So, um, you know, too many, so we're going to have to tighten that up, but 
the DNA, the, the culture and the DNA of, of structure and defense is really ingrained in our guys. So, so really adamant, you know, we needed to score more, uh, but we needed to, you know, be still remain to be a structural team. So, uh, and of course you can't win without a goalie. So right. looks like we found a goalie. Yeah, I'm I'm curious about that because you're you're right about the structure. I mean, Rick Bonus uh, instilled lots of stuff in your team, um, and I mean, you had 98 points last year, and you made the playoffs, and you took Calgary to seven games. How much? And and if you don't want to say, but how much did you struggle with? Because Rick's such a good person. How much did you struggle with that forced change that you had to make? That yeah, something had to happen. Super tough. I mean, this is the you know, one of the best guys, you, you know, that, I mean, one of the best guys in the game and it was hard. I mean, he, he, you know, I think Rick, Rick was sort of, you, you know, he, I, I think he would, you know, you didn't know, like I understood during the year, he was, he and Jim had some conversations and it was, you know, it's hard, right. That's a hard job. And it, it wasn't, we weren't convinced that Rick really wanted to come back and coach. And then at the end of the day, we had to look in the mirror and say, you know, our analytics just weren't where they needed to be. And then you ask yourself without a change. Uh, I think there's a story too with our staff. If you know how that staff got put together, it really wasn't a cohesive staff in terms of how it was built. I mean, we brought in guys, Montgomery, you know, had to leave. Rick gets the job. Those guys weren't, you know, quote, his guys. It was, and not that they didn't all get along, they did, but you know, our analytics um, just weren't we're, we're, the type of team, the way we were played, the way we play, we were not going to have any long-term success. And so uh, I'd say second, yeah, 98 points made the playoffs, but we were the best team in overtime in the league. So the year before, we were one of the worst. And so if you look at both those years, we're the same team. We, we frankly were really a, really a, what do you call it, a, a bubble team. You know, right. we, we made it. But without overtime, we don't make it. So we had really the worst offensive team. And um, yes, we could, took Calgary in seven games. We could have won the game. Uh, did we deserve to win the series? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. Obviously, you've been in this a while, and you are a hockey fan, clearly. Um, you paid, what, $240 million for this team? It's worth <laughs> many. many I, read that, I read that somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you were playing golf in uh, at Augusta. Yeah, yeah so you may not know. Um, the team's worth many times that amount. Are you a hockey fan to the point where you'll keep the franchise as long as you can? Oh yeah. You, yeah, you are, huh? Yeah, oh yeah. I'm not no interest in in selling the team. I, I think that it's become. You know, I've got three sons. Um, uh, I don't. I think if I were ever talk about selling the team, they wouldn't speak to me again. Um, and we've got a larger family, you know, other, I've got nieces and nephews that, you know, absolutely love the, love being, uh, you know, associated with the, with the league and they're, you know, massive fans. And so I don't think this team will leave our family, uh, certainly while I'm around. So, what's so it, now your team, go, oh, sorry, go ahead, Bob. Well, what's it like owning a franchise that isn't in the city in which you live? I mean, I know you spend a fair bit of time in Dallas, but you don't live there. That's Somewhat unusual. Yeah, you know, I mean, Jeremy Jacobs never lived in Boston, did he? I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not unheard of, but not unheard of. No, I, I would say, you know, at some dot, it, it would be nice to live in the same city. Um, although I, there's benefits to not, you know, you can kind of get away from it when 
things are going difficult. I think, you know, I feel bad for owners in Canada who live in the same city as their team. I think that's a, that's a really, really tough. <laughs> and, you know, I think it's a tough place to be. So uh, I don't feel the same pressure that those guys feel and certainly not living in Dallas. I, I you know, I, the pressure I feel is, is really, uh, is really on me. You know, I, I create, believe me, I can create enough pressure on myself. So, um, but you know, I've got now two sons going to SMU in Dallas. Um, you know, I've got a house near the campus, so you know, we're, you know I'm spending more time down there. And I've got my third son graduating from high school this year, and his plan is to go to the same school. So, I think I'll just spend more and more time in Dallas. And uh, but I like the I like the separation. I mean, it's all I've really known. And for the Cowboys Blazers, I've never lived in Kamloops either. So this is this is really uh, really what I'm used to. I'm I'm just curious. So today's a game day. The team's in Florida, I think. Um, and what, 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 what would your day be like? And would you, you know, it's seven 30 Eastern time or seven o'clock Eastern time, four o'clock where you are, which is the TV on and you're watching every minute. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't miss much, uh, John, you know, uh, the odd time I'm stuck on a plane and I can't, but you know, an 82 game schedule, I probably watch 78 games. So wow. whether I'm, whether I'm there in person or, or watching, I'm, uh, and it's so easy now, let's face it. I mean, I, I carry an iPad with me. I can watch the game on the iPad, you know. So uh, I'll be watching today. I'll start watching uh, in my office, and then I'll end up someplace uh, and I'll watch the game. Well, and 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 then uh, conversations with Jim Neal as the game goes on, or or tomorrow. Do you do you wait? Do you you know? Lots of people want to wait before they either cool down or get too high or too low, right? I mean, Jim and I've been together a long time, so um, you, you know he. He, he gets, the, you know, the odd heated text from me. Uh, I, I'm not going to say that I, I haven't done that. <laughs> you know, you try not to do that. Um, and it, it tends to be, you know, in seasons where you're just really disappointed and it, and it you know, bubbles. And then, you know, you might ask a question. But I, I would say generally, no, you, you don't communicate uh, during games. Um, you know, you might want to ask a question, you know, someone got hurt, you know, what's the, what's the deal? Um, uh, but no, we, we don't, uh, we don't, we don't really analyze the game unless something is just totally disappointing after two periods. It's like, what, what, why, what's the problem? You know, and, but nah, it's, it's almost nothing. Um, you know, we talk, uh, I would say probably every other day generally and uh, get updates on, on how everybody is and injuries and who's in, who's out. And, uh, you know, I had my update this morning already. So I know, I know who's scratched and who's playing. So that's, uh, Kind of how it works. I mentioned near the top, Tom, that uh, you went after two other NHL franchises. Have you ever looked at purchasing a team in another sport? Does that interest you at all? Yeah, not seriously, uh, Bob. Not uh, not seriously. I know my my brother lives in the UK, and so uh, eight, nine, ten years ago, we had a look at a Premier League team, and uh, it turned out I was far more keen than he was. Um, he didn't think it was a good life um, living in a city where you own the Premier League team. So it was really, it's really uh, a no fun business uh, when you're surrounded by those fans. So he didn't have much interest in it. And, uh, you know, I wish we would have bought it because it was, it was a heck of a deal, <laughs> but, but it wasn't meant to be. And since then I've changed my tune and about, you know, I mean, I've certainly been shown uh, teams in every league you can imagine, including esports, which I don't understand. I put that in the category of crypto. 
Um, uh, uh, I just don't have any interest in it. I think that if you're going to own a team, you need to be emotionally connected to it. And, you know, to buy a team in another sport, I'm just not sure I'm going to be emotionally connected. And I don't have the emotional bandwidth to, uh, you know, to live and die by the wins and losses, which is, which is, you know, I, I like, and uh, I, I like being connected to something I care about and, and uh, you know, the losses hurt, the wins are fun and it, but it just, you feel alive at some level, <laughs> but I don't think, I, I think I'm past the point of considering another sport. Well, you wouldn't be the first Dallas Stars owner to own a uh, Premier League team. That's that's yeah. for sure. So Tom uh, Hicks, yeah, I, I don't sure. I don't know how Tom Hicks didn't really do very well in the end, did he? I don't think he did. No, no. no he had the you know three beautiful teams, you know, with the Rangers and uh, Liverpool. Yeah. And uh, no, it didn't end well for Tom. No. But uh, Tom's uh, Tom's doing well. You know, he was at our Hall of Fame event in Dallas. A nice uh, nice long chat. He was there with all of his sons, and so. You know, he's doing well. Getting old, but he's doing well. Hey, we started this conversation with golf. Let's end it with golf. Uh, you've partnered with the guys from Cabot, Cabot Links, to build something in Revelstoke, which is a, a great part of the country. You and I are biased about that. Um, and uh, what's what's going on there? And when can we start hitting golf balls there? Because Bob and I need an invite. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly by 24. Uh, is the plan. We'll have nine for sure in 24 and uh, 25 full play. So it's been a challenging, um, a challenging property. Um, when you're, you know, the, 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 we have wonderful expectations about the golf course. We really think it's going to have a shot at world top 100. It'll be the most important mountain course built in, uh, you know, in Canada and in this generation. Um, it's, it is uh, quite a flat course, which is really nice because most most you know mountain courses by definition uh, end up being really you know tough to get to a quality level because you're on a mountain. Right. Um, this is on a couple of benches and surrounded by nature. You know, peaks all around the place, streams, uh, very little residential abutting the golf course. So we we think it's going to be a very special place. Um, it's been a challenging property though with um it sits at the at a bench and there's a tremendous amount of groundwater that's coming down the mountain so we we've, we've probably lost a year and you know when we clear when we clear and we get into the soil and and there's just so much water so we've had to stop and do design and and deal with a lot more water than we thought we'd come across so so that's a bit frustrating and then of course uh governments and uh and uh are not easy to deal with, you know, to build a golf course anymore. So it, it's been, it's been pretty challenging for, for all those processes and uh, would have liked to have been there a year sooner, but I feel like we're, we're now we've got a, we've got a straight shot, get the, the property done and it's going to be uh, it's going to be an incredible, uh, incredible property. Well, we look forward to uh, having that completed and getting a chance to see it. We wish you success with that and continued success with your hockey franchises. And we want to thank you very much, Tom, for taking time for us today. We appreciate Thanks, it. Guys, appreciate it. Enjoyed it. We'll talk again. Thank Thanks, Glenn. Bye-bye. Tom Gagliardi, the open owner of the uh, Dallas Stars. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Well, thanks to Tom for uh, being with us. He was pretty uh, glib. <laughs> yeah. 
I did a good job for a guy who so, doesn't do a lot so of these. Are you are you crowing yet? I haven't heard any crowing from you today. Well, no. If it had happened a year ago, I probably would have. But um, no, I Hernandez would have. Is, Hernandez is no longer a Blue Jay. And no, you, and I don't get me wrong. I don't dislike Teoscar. Teos you 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 kicked him out of town. You you were all over this. But I did it for the same reasons the team did it. Money. I told you that. Money. <laughs> yeah. He was going to cost a lot of money. And you you were going to need changes. And that seemed to be an obvious way for the team to make a change. And so I, I said a long time ago, you, you're going to have to get rid of Teoscar. So who's your right point. fielder now? We'll see. I don't many, know. I've never heard of him. <laughs> many moves to be made. You think? Yeah, I do. You, you uh, now hold, so, so how many? So you think there's more roster changes coming? Oh, I know there are. I know there are. Like who? Give us a hand. Can you give us a hand? Well, Come I think on. the center fielder is going to become the right fielder. Okay, well that and that makes sense. But then they need it. They can't have Jackie Bradley Jr. play center field. No, I think they get somebody. Who? Or maybe, maybe they have somebody. Who knows? Well, I don't know the play. answer. I to guess that Merrifield question. could play there, couldn't he? I mean, so he could. Yeah, and they have uh, they got some pitching help, one for the future and one for the present. Does this mean Guriel's not going anywhere? Nope. Oh, I don't think that means that at all. I think if they got a right offer for Guriel, they'll make a make a move. But are you suggesting George... we're not going to recognize this outfield, other uh, than George in right field? Well, you may not. <laughs> you may not. I wonder if they'd trade George if they got an offer for him. Wow. Don't don't throw that stuff out there. Why? You can't throw George. George is good. He he's good when he plays, but he doesn't play enough and he's $25 million worth. Yeah. I mean, I think they'd make a move if they could, but uh -huh. I don't think they can. I don't we're, think we're, we're gonna talk we'll, we'll talk more baseball next week. All right. We we're have lots talk. of time to talk baseball. Lots of time. You have 365 days to talk baseball. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's basically the way it works. We got to get out of here. We thank you for watching or listening, as the case may be. For Shannon McCowan, see ya. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer.